0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached.
1: Cool, tonight um, I just want to introduce, we'll be sharing the word. Um, Mezin is going to be sharing with us tonight. Most of you know Mezin well. Um, Yes, I think that's appropriate. Um, You haven't preached here before, Mezin. You haven't preached before. It's the first time Mezin is preaching. Let's give her a big hand. Mezen, um, Mezen and her husband, Andre, are um, elders here yeah, in this congregation. And um, they we, we haven't known them so long, but they're, I guess, just like legacy in the church. And heart for the church goes, goes away before we've met... Um, they spent time, you know, for a year being trained for ministry in Stellenbosch. They've been involved in multiple church plants. Um, and they just have such a heart for the bride, to see the bride coming to a full glory, a bride that Jesus wants to come back for. And um, they really lay down their lives in serving the church. And um, I just want to honor you, Mezen, for the, you know... Um, God says like a broken heart and a contrite spirit I will not despise and he's pleased with that and I just want to honor you for the broken heart and the contrite spirit that you serve God and that you pursue relationship with him and uh, the prophetic gift that's on your life heart of a worshiper and um, we're super expecting for the word God has laid on your heart and uh, so let's just pray for her father we just um, bless Mezen, father and we Commit her into your hands, Lord. Thank you that you have chosen us, uh, chosen her to deliver a word here tonight, Lord. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for that cold, Lord, that you set on her tongue. And um, for, for words of life, Lord. We thank you. We're expecting to hear from you through my Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: I asked, um, I said to the guys that were setting up, I'm really going to need water. <laughs> so, a lot, <laughs> so thank you. I'm more nervous tonight, not, not about standing in front of you, but really that I'll be able to, to deliver the word that God gave to me efficiently, that you'll be able to receive what he said to me, because he's been talking to me about this word for a long time, so I have had a lot, I've had a lot of time to process what he's been saying, and to say that in 40 minutes, I really... <laughs> Trust that God will will come and impart what He wants to wants to say today. Um, it's an encouraging word, so you can. <laughs> um, I really felt in September last year that God gave me a word about a change of season that's coming at the end of February, and in two thousand and fifteen. Um, was the last time that, that God gave me a word for uh, the church. Normally, God speaks to me about seasons and for the church, and normally He says to me every, every year, I'll know what the next year is. And at the end of 2015, God said to me, the next season is faith is crazy. <laughs> I was like, faith is crazy? Yes, faith is crazy. So faith is believing something that you can't see, <laughs> holding on to that substance. That's crazy. <laughs> and, um, and the past three years, as, as Lauren also shared two or three weeks ago, have been a very difficult season for most of us. Um, I don't know if you can relate, but for, for me, for us personally, it's been the toughest three years of our life, without a doubt. Um, it's been a season that God just kept saying, trust me, Wait don't fight. Rest. Don't fight. Trust me. I'll show you. Wait. It's been a season that we haven't been able to see <laughs> what to do next. And God just kept saying, trust me. You're valuable. Trust me. Wait. Um, and I'll, I'll, share, I'll share more about that now. Um, when God gave me the vision in September, we were having a, a worship, impromptu in, in worship session, and God gave me a vision and gave me a scripture, and I was like, you spoke to me for the first time in three years for the church, which for me was like such a massive celebration, such a massive change, and because of that, like, I'm so expectant for this next season. Um, God just showed me a picture of a of an hourglass with harvest grains running out and a picture of a golden calf. And God just said to me, there's a change of season coming. And I really felt that it's a positive change. And um, then he gave me Daniel 2. And before we read that, I'd just like to to pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you tell us about what the next seasons are. Father, thank you that you lead us, that you a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and that we can hold on to you and that we know that you are faithful, that you are who you say you are and you always will be. And Father, regardless of our circumstances, God, we can have faith and trust and know that you are steadfast. And may your word bring glory to you tonight, Father God, and may this word bear fruit and good fruit and fruit that remain in Jesus' name. I mean, so let's read Daniel 2 from verse 2, uh, from verse 16. So Daniel went in and asked the king to appoint a date and give him time so that he might reveal to the king the interpretation of the dream. So just a bit of background. The king has a dream, and then he wants an interpretation of the dream. But he doesn't tell any, he calls the magicians and the wise men and the sorcerers and everyone, and wants the interpretation of the dream without telling them what the dream is. And nobody, everybody says to him, that's impossible, like that's completely impossible. And then he gets enraged and says, I'm going to kill all of you. And then somebody calls Daniel and says, says to the king, wait, what, just what about Daniel? Maybe he'll know. And then Daniel goes into the king and asks him for time. Then Daniel returned to his house and discussed the matter with Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, who who later... Um, their names are changed, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions, in order that they might seek compassion from the God of heaven regarding this secret, so that Daniel and his companions would not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the seasons He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and greater knowledge to those who have understanding. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the solution to the king's matter. So in... At the end of 2015, when God said to me, faith is crazy, um, he called Andre and I to to support a a church plant in Utrecht, and that January, we just bought our dream house and got, like, really established and just had a baby, our promised son, and, like, was really in, like, a super flourishing season and um, a season of comfort, and... Then God said to us, sell your house, sell everything you have, only take money with, go and support the church plant in Utrecht. So we quit our jobs, <laughs> and we sold our house and all our belongings, all our spoons and cups, like everything. And, um, and we got a, a tourism visa, f- a French tourism visa for a year. So that qu- you, you qualify to live in Europe for a year without having to go out of the country and come back. Um, and we went to the Netherlands in Utrecht and went to support the church plant there. Um Darkan and Tanir and I, um Van and they they and amazing people, such super obedient people. And yeah, we supported them there and during the time that we were there we couldn't find jobs. We couldn't get jobs because we didn't have visas for jobs and we couldn't get a visa without a job and it was like, God, what must we do? What must we do? Like we're here with our children, and our money is getting finished because it's really expensive to live in Europe, and like no doors are opening, and our visas are going to expire soon. What must we do? And God just kept saying, "Trust me, wait. Trust me, wait." And then towards the end of the year, God said to us that um, we must have another child, and I was like, "God, that's crazy! Like there's no, there's nothing like." We don't have medical aid. If we come back to South Africa, what does that look like? And, like, then I must deliver in a provincial hospital, and it would be our third child, and it's a Caesar. And, oh, I was like, that's crazy. And God said, you'll have a son, and his name is Joshua. And before that, we struggled for six years to fall pregnant, and we were obedient that night, and we fell pregnant with Joshua. And, (laughs) yes. And, And then our visas were going to expire, and we came back. We didn't have jobs. Andre got a job selling um, poles, <laughs> and um, I had to have a baby. He said Joshua was born in February, and I had to start working early. And it was just like, God, what's going on? What must we do? Like, there's no clear, like, do this. This is the season. He just kept saying, trust me. Don't fight. Rest. Wait. How do you rest <laughs> when your circumstances are crazy like that? Um, and then that was... Um, so, 2015, got out of that. 2016, we were in the Netherlands. 2017, we moved into um, a f- flat on my parents' house because that was like a soft landing. We could borrow cups and spoons <laughs> from them. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then Joshua was extremely sick. And we were in and out of hospital the whole time with breathing problems with him. And then then that finally just settled and then in november Azal drowned and our circumstances just got more and more crazy Azal is our second son sorry he's now four years old and um yeah and you guys have been walking that's how we came back to joe or how we came to joe because he was transferred to the hospital here and um his brain got very hurt and we've been walking A tough journey. Um, But God has been faithful, and even in that, God said to us, Wait, trust me. Don't fight, rest. Don't fight, trust me. And um, when I came here in February last year, for the first time in three years, when we walked into the doors of Santon, it's like, We're home. This is where we belong. This is our community. This is our family. So I just want to thank you for that. By the way, it's not part of (laughs) um, And then in September, God gave me this word for the first time in three years. So you can understand how super expectant I am for this next season. But you'll have to wait till the end. (laughs) I just want to, um, if we can just go to the first slide that says strengthening of trust. I want to encourage you that... When we go through trials and tribulations, they're not in vain. It's not purposeless. It's not for us to be filled with pain and destroyed and crushed. It's not, it's not like that at all. When we're in relationship with God, our trials and tribulations are there to come and establish trust in God. That's what God does. He calls us to have faith in Him in times when there are trials and tribulations, to establish trust. So, I know that these past three years, that's what the season has been, is establishing trust in God. He's come to call us to a place of complete surrender, that we we cannot do anything out of our out of our own in our own strength to to save and redeem and change and. But we can trust Him, and He can give us hope. He is our hope. <laughs> He's our only hope. So I just want to. Read from just that first verse. So Daniel went in and asked the king to appoint a date and give him time. For me, Daniel just saying that to the king meant that he knew who his God is. If he can have the boldness and faith to say to the king, just give me a date and time, just give me time. I'm going to ask my God, I know my God is faithful, just give me time. He already, that trust was already established. There, I mean, if you, if you just read Daniel 1, it just talks about how Daniel and his friends were prepared for three years um, and how God required a different lifestyle of them and how God taught them how to pray and how to have community. But something got, Daniel already knew who he was in God and who God is. He knew that he could say to the king boldly, just give me time. So that he might reveal to the king the interpretation of the dream. In Hebrews 12, um, God speaks of a shaking. It's, it's not there. <laughs> um, that God promises that he'll come and shake the earth. And that's exactly, for me, what, what happened in these past three years. God came to shake, come and shake us. Like, come and shake his bride so that that which is able to be removed, that which is able to fall away... Can be removed, so that that which remains is His kingdom, that's unshakable. His steadfastness, our trust in Him, our full surrender in Him. And Romans five and James one and He like there's so many examples in the Bible where God speaks to us of enduring through trials. Count it all joy when you have sufferings, encounter trials or tribulations, like endure because that endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint our hope in christ that for eternity there will be no suffering there'll be no death there'll be no pain there'll be nothing we'll have an eternity of joy in him that hope does not disappoint it will not disappoint um okay you can go to the next slide um (laughs) to a, <laughs> seeking wisdom and knowledge in community. When, then Daniel returned to his house and discussed the matter with his companions, that they might seek compassion from God regarding the secret that their lives might be spared. It's so precious for me. First of all, Daniel has faith in God and who he says he, he trusts God to be bold to speak to the king. Then his first response is to go back into community and say, guys, (laughs) we've got to pray. (laughs) Like, we've got to pray and see God's face because we need a salute. Like, (laughs) we've got to pray. And immediately they get together and pray. They pray so that they can get an answer. I can't, I can't highlight more the importance of community when we're going through trials and tribulations. The devil's best strategy is to isolate us. It's, if you think of, now, safari, <laughs> you're it, on a game drive, there's impalas and a lion. What is the lion who seeks to devour an impala strategy? is to isolate one. There's strength in community, but when you're isolated, it's easy for the devourer to take you out. So here, like, Daniel has so much influence, and, like, he's known, but his first response is to go into community, and we wouldn't have made it without community in this this season. Like, the amount of prayer and support and financial support and prayer support and encouragement and housing and a shoulder to cry on shoulders and a million tissues and, like, People bringing us words, confirming what God is saying, builds so much hope. It establishes so much trust, because it's not just me. God's speaking to us. Daniel returned to his house and discussed the matter with his companions, that they might seek compassion from God re- regarding this secret, that their lives might be spared. So the situation that Daniel and his friends found, imso- found themselves in wasn't one of I really need a new Ferrari, and I need to seek God's face. Come, let's pray and trust for this breakthrough for my new Ferrari. It was for, the li- for their lives to be spared, and for the unbelievers' lives to be spared. It wasn't a selfish just for the Christians, or just for me and my house. It's so that they all could be saved. So they together seek God's face for an answer solution to the king's problem together for the lives of them and their communities to be saved. Okay, we can go to the next slide. Um, oh, I, did, I didn't say what, what wisdom and knowledge. Henny helped me. Henny is amazing. He's an awesome mentor. <laughs> um, wisdom, in that context, is to know what to do. And knowledge is to know how to do it. So they seek God, God's face to know what to do and how to do it together. Okay. Then House and Snow says, Oh I feel like I, like I spoke so little, but okay. <laughs> this is a good thing. Um so a new season. Do all of you f- understand and get like like grasp the past season? Do you have perspective that when we're shaken, when we're going through trials and tribulations, it's not meaningless, it's not purposeless, it's to bear, like Lauren said, Christ-likeness, that's bearing fruit, Christ-likeness, patience, endurance, joy, um, all the fruits of the Spirit. So the next season is a season of restoration, and I'm so excited, I'm so excited that God has said that's what the next season is, and If you like, Bernie also said last week that that's the season we're going into. Like, if you listen across the board, there's a season of restoration coming. Um, So, restoration. The definition of restoration is just to return something to its original intent. So, its original design, its original plan. So, it's not. I want you to to clearly understand that restoration and renovation is different restoration includes shaking includes removing that which is not was not planned from the beginning it's not it's not just adding onto the original design it's removing a lot of added stuff to get back to the original design, that's restoration so I don't I don't know if it's going to be a super easy season. I just know that it's going to be a season of restoration, and the restoration that God is speaking of is a restoration of joy, and a restoration of power, and a restoration of influence. I'll excel Nano Eidbrider where I just like to like us to watch a video just for um, just a graphic illustration of restoration if you can picture this this video um, it's it's the process of of an artwork being restored if you can picture this artwork being god's bride us and the restorer being god like just the care he takes but the process is is painful (laughs) i think um but yeah it's super precious you're welcome to play
2: This video is from a little while ago, and it was shot by Jack Brantman, a really talented videographer here in Chicago. He's got a YouTube channel under Chicago Aussie, and he makes great content, particularly his Remade in Chicago series, which features local craftspeople, artisans, uh, and their work um, in and around Chicago. So go ahead and check his YouTube channel out. Give him a follow. I'll put a link up. It's uh, really great content, and I encourage everybody to see what he's up to. My client brought me this painting ostensibly because of the puncture in the lower section of the canvas that occurred during a move. But during the examination, we found that there were several old conservations that had discolored, had worn, um, and had uh, suffered a little bit over time. In addition, the original varnish was suffering from a bloom, which is when the varnish becomes cloudy or milky, usually as a result of exposure to moisture. So after diagnosing all those problems, uh, the client agreed that not only should we fix the puncture, but we should take care of everything while we had the patient on the table, so to speak. So the first step was getting the painting off of the stretcher. And in this case, the artist used nails, uh, so I'm pulling those out as opposed to using tacks, which is generally more preferred. Once the painting's off the stretcher and the stretcher's set aside for cleaning later, I can start to remove the grime and the dirt and all of that uh, disgusting stuff that builds up behind the painting and the stretcher bar. With that cleaned, I can begin the process of removing this patch. And this patch was put on with wax and luckily wax is soluble in several solvents and is a pliable material. So it's not terribly difficult to remove, but care is still taken because we don't want to subject the original canvas to any unnecessary, uh, tension or handling. With the patch removed, the excess wax can then be scraped off we can begin the process of cleaning the painting. Now, before any cleaning is begun, I make several tests in inconspicuous areas to determine the best materials, uh, detergents, solutions, solvents. For the painting that will remove the surface grime and the old varnish. Once that information is gathered, I can begin the process in earnest. So right there, I was using a wax paste to remove the built up surface grime. And once that's gone, I can use solvents to remove the old varnish. And as we start to see the old varnish removed, we can begin to see what the artist originally wanted. This beautiful skin tones and other delicate paint applications that were otherwise obscured by that brown and yellow varnish. And whenever I move to cleaning a signature, I'll always switch to Q-tips or smaller swabs just because I want to be a little bit more delicate and have a little bit more control because of course the signature is very important to the piece. With the painting cleaned, I can move on to a vapor treatment, which is a method using moisture, heat, and pressure that will allow me to relax the canvas and flatten it to remove any waves and ripples and other distortions. And this takes place over a couple of hours and then The painting will go under weights and acclimatize for a couple of days. And once that's complete, the painting is flat, the canvas is smooth and even, and we can begin with some of the other structural work that needs to be done to repair the tears, punctures, and other damage that the physical canvas has received over time. Now, while there are several methods of repairing tears or punctures to canvas, including patches or linings, I'm choosing something called the bridging technique, which is a little bit lighter weight and less invasive than those other methods. And the bridging technique consists of lots of small fibers cut from Belgian linen laid perpendicularly across the tear in a bed of adhesive. And this is just meant to hold the canvas flat and together so that it doesn't open up and reveal itself on the face. So once the adhesive is laid down, the little strands of linen can be set in the bed of adhesive, and then they'll be pressed as they dry so that there's no distortion to the original canvas. And because the painting's tacking edge was frayed, delicate, and in some cases really small, I've chosen to add a new tacking edge, which is called a strip lining. And that's done by taking a piece of Belgian linen and adhering it to the tacking edge using a conservation adhesive in film form. It's ironed on and then pressed and allowed to cool and dry and once this is done there'll be plenty of meat on the tacking edge for the stretching. Now with the painting flat and on a stiff surface I can remove any excess wax that has seeped through the cracked and found its way to the face of the painting and once this is done I can begin the process of preparing the stretcher For the stretching. Now luckily in this case the wooden stretcher was not damaged or broken in any way shape or form but I still need to remove the old wooden keys and any nails or tacks that I might have missed uh, earlier on. I'll clean it up, I'll square it up, and then I'll prepare for the stretching. I prefer to use steel tacks as opposed to copper tacks which can oxidize or staples which are really just inferior to secure the painting to the stretcher. Using a canvas pulling plier will allow me to apply even tension to the canvas, and I'll use a magnetic hammer to drive the tacks through the canvas into the stretcher support. Now the keys, which you can see me tapping in here, are used to add tension to the stretcher, which is a non-fixed jointed wooden support. Now, sometimes the keys are, are damaged or they're otherwise missing, and I'll have to recreate them. In this case, I'm using a piece of oak as a piece, as opposed to a piece of pine because it's a better material, it's more rigid, and it can handle uh, being tapped in better than the pine. Now, once the keys are all secured, I will fix them with a piece of fishing line and a tacks so that they don't get lost in the future. And once all these tacks are secured, I can begin the process of filling in the cracks and tears on the face of the painting so that I can begin the retouching process. Now using a putty, I will overfill the areas where there is missing paint. And then once that putty is dry, I'll come back with Q-tips and cotton swabs and other tools to remove the excess because I wanna make sure that I have an even smooth surface onto which I can apply the retouching pigments. With the fill in medium dry i can apply an isolation layer of varnish to the painting and there are many reasons to do this among them is to provide a barrier between my retouching and any future work and the original painting and two it allows me to see the colors better and see them as they will look once they're final varnished and this is important because if i retouch according to the washed out dried out colors then when i put the final varnish on the retouching isn't going to match and I'll have to redo it. Now retouching, unlike painting, requires a different approach both in technique and materials. So instead of using oil paint, I'm using Maria Restraro, which is a conservation grade paint that has no oil in it. And that's important because oil oxidizes over time and becomes permanent. This pigment will never be permanent, it can always be removed with the appropriate solvent. and as oil oxidizes it darkens and changes color. Now this paint, because it has no oil, won't change color over time thus keeping the retouching more accurate longer. And the other main difference between painting and retouching is that Painting, you have the freedom to apply as much pigment as you want. Whereas retouching, we are really just focused on the areas where there are losses. It would be inappropriate to add pigment anywhere where the original pigment is still existing. And so the conservator must limit any pigment that they're applying to just those areas of damage or loss. In this case, just the tears and the cracks. And there's no secret to retouching. It's just a matter of practice and patience. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more you do it, the more quickly you're able to determine how to mix a color based on your palette. That is, you can see all of the colors that make up one color without having to labor to that point. And once the retouching is finished, the varnishing process can begin. In this case, I'm using a synthetic resin, ultraviolet stable, plasticized varnish designed for conservation. And this varnish will remain soluble for about 102 years in mild solvents. It will not yellow, it will not darken, it will not bloom with exposure to moisture, it will not fail like the old varnishes do. And every once in a while, a little hair gets stuck in the varnish, and so it needs to be removed using a scalpel. With the varnish finally applied, I can put the painting back into the frame. And in this case, instead of using nails or screws, I'm gonna be using metal brackets or uh, picture clips because they are uh, easier to install, they provide better support, and they don't damage the original painting at all. So with the painting fully conserved, the damage addressed, cleaned, and put back together in the original frame, all of my work is complete and the painting is ready to go back up on the wall and be enjoyed by my client for many years to come. So, thanks for watching this video. A huge thanks to Jack Brantman for spending countless days in my studio shooting and following around. Uh, go ahead and give him a follow. Check out his channel. The
0: amazing thing for me is is how much, how much time is taken in preparing for the restoration, and that for me was so significant when I watched this like three years it 's probably a short time, but but three years preparing, removing, establishing trust, establishing faith, establishing surrender, getting to a place where God can say, "Now I can move you into restoration." I just want to read the last um, last bit of Daniel. So I just want you to see, when you look at Daniel, this, well, the whole of Daniel, from from Daniel 1 to Daniel 6, is Daniel and his friends are faced with an impossible situation. A situation that has no solution. There is no man-made, manly, thinkable, worldly way to solve the problem at hand. And then every time Daniel is faced with a problem, he takes that to God, and he seeks God's face because he knows God can save him. God God can. And then the most important part of tonight, the hope that I want to instill in you, is that God then answers. He then gives a solution to the problem. He gives the solution the impossible thing he does. God's power is revealed in the solution every single time. Daniel 2, okay, let's just read this part from verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered, I'm sure he was like, yes, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. You came through, you gave us an answer, or I don't know how ever you express joy, but like in that moment of receiving that answer, there is joy, whether it's inward or outward, but there is joy established because God answered. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the seasons, he removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, the things that we cannot see, and the light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the solution to the king's matter. And then Daniel goes to the king and says to the king, I don't have this answer out of myself, but I required, I ask God, and the God of heaven gave me the answer. And I don't bring you this answer for my glory. I bring you this answer because God desires for you to know what he revealed to you. Like, that's, that's, that's what God's intention was. God gave the king a dream, and then he brings the solution so that the king can understand what he dreamed. Like, we think that that God only answers... For, for Christians, for church, or whatever. God gave an answer to the king for the king. God called us, and and because Daniel took that that answer to the king, the king gave Daniel influence. So, Daniel two, the king has a dream. Daniel three. Another impossible situation. Daniel 4, another situ- possible situation. If you think of Daniel that gets thrown into the lion's den, impossible situation. The, the lions are going to eat him. And the king is disturbed. And the king says to Daniel, may the God that you serve and trust in save you. And the next morning, the king couldn't sleep that night. And the next morning, the first one at the, at the lion's den is the king. Daniel, did your God save you? Yes, my God saved me. Power. God's power revealed. What does that produce? God gets glory, but influence. Daniel gets give, He gets promoted. Every time God comes through, Daniel and his friends get promoted. They get given influence. So there's an impossible situation. They seek God's face. God answers them, joy. The solution to the problem is given: power. God's power revealed. Because God's power is revealed, that gives them influence. That's the season we're moving into. Please take time and meditate on Daniel 1 to Daniel 6 and see how God operated over and over and over and over again and see how they sought God's face for an impossible situation. It's like, it's like saying, Cornell works for Escom." There's an impossible situation. What are the chances that President Cyril Ramaphosa hears of Cornell? That would be God's favor. Cornell goes to to President Cyril and says, Just give me time, because he knows he's God. Not because he's an amazing engineer and can come up with a great plan or has already or has the solution or... He goes and seeks god's face in community because i'm definitely sure I will not be like i'm gonna do this on my own like he knows this strength in numbers like he'll come to his community and say guys first of all president sarola ramaphosa asked me for a solution to this impossible situation and then he seeks god's face and then god answers him and gives him a solution to the problem and he takes that solution to the president That's God's power revealed because there'll be a solution to a problem that maybe there is an easy solution, but for me it seems impossible. I'm not an engineer. Um, And then because of that, God now will have influence. So I don't want you to see that this is something that happened in Daniel's time with kings and, and priests and holy Daniel and his friends because they fasted and ate correctly and prayed enough. God is saying that he's restoring influence to his bride. The church is going to have a voice again. We're going to be confronted with impossible solutions, impossible impossible situations, and we're going to seek God's face for those situations, and God's going to answer us, and God's power is going to be revealed in that to the world, and because of that, the church is going to have influence. And we'll be overjoyed because God's hearing us and answering us like there's no more joy than than walking in relationship with God and knowing that that He answers. So what is God's original design for His bride? If we're talking about restoration, going back to the original design, God originally designed us to have relationship with Him first and foremost. That was his plan from the beginning. So when I speak of restoration, there cannot be joy and power and influence without primarily establishing trust and having faith in God. So there can't be, I, I can't say to you, even if you don't believe in God, this is going to happen. For, it's not. God's original intent was for his bride to have relationship with him and God says it's impossible to please him without faith and those that believe in him must know that he's that he's good and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so we must know like Daniel knew when he went to the king that God is a good God and that he rewards those who diligently seek him but he requires faith because without faith it's impossible to please him how can we please him if we don't have relationship with him, like we're called to relationship with him, first and foremost. secondly, we're called to community with each other. We're not called to live isolated Christian lives. We're not called to to be that amazing Christian. We're called to have influence on our own in our different spheres that, we, that, we, that we're called to. But we're called to, to seek God's face in community. And the third thing that, that God intended for us is having influence in the world by displaying his, pl- his power for his glory and our good. God never intended us to be a powerless people. He never intended for his church not to have influence. He never intended for his bride to not have his voice and not have a display of the king that they serve. He's living and powerful. He's alive. I know we know that, but like he's really alive and he wants people to see that. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to only know in our heads that the Bible is true he proves that the Bible is true because he's alive, and he answers, and he speaks. Harki, <laughs> um, you're welcome to come up. I don't know where Harki is. Is he in the mother's room? Maybe. Okay. So tonight, you're welcome to stand. I want you to see that there is a, there's a golden thread in in the story of Daniel, but there's a golden thread in the whole Bible from beginning to end. God's pursuit for us in relationship is from the beginning to the end. He's never stopped seeking relationship with us. He's never stopped calling us, drawing us near. And He's never called us to be isolated. So, as we close our eyes, I just, I just want you just to spend a few minutes with the Lord. Firstly, I want you to just just look back at this past season and just take time to consider and meditate just, just a few minutes on the walk that you've had with the Lord in the past three years. I'm not saying that there, that there hasn't been joy, that there hasn't been victory, that there hasn't been celebration. But God has definitely been calling us into, into a place of full surrender and trust in Him. He's definitely been calling us into a place of, of waiting on Him and resting in Him. And changing our perspective of having faith in the promises to having faith in the Promiser because He never changes. And when that faith is established in in a God that is unshakable, that is steadfast, that is true, that doesn't go back on His Word because that's who He is, then the promises become easy to believe and easy to hold on to because we know who promised it. We know that He who promised is faithful. So just take time and, and just respond to Whether it's thanking God and saying, God, I've seen your hand in this last season, even though it was tough. Thank you for establishing what you've established in me or repenting for for not being able to trust him or being disheartened by so many trials and so many tests and so many things. God, Lord, we we thank you for for your faithfulness in the process of restoration, God, that, that you're faithful to first come and remove and cleanse and shake, to bring us to a place where we're able to walk in restored relationship with you, in restored community, in restored power and joy and influence.